listen to Death and All the Rest. I'm Lizzie Salwin. And I'm Zoe Inglefield. Hi. 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 Welcome back to another episode of Death and All the Rest. Uh, This is a slightly different sort of format for us. So I am up in Mungify with my lovely friend Gina, who Lizzie and I have mentioned before in the show as the mutual friend that introduced us. And Lizzie is at home in Auckland. So hi. Hi. How are you, Lizzie? I'm good. Good. How this goes. Yeah. So this is our first time doing sort of a, a recording with not everyone in the same room. So uh, bear with us if there are a few technical difficulties. Hopefully it should be fine. So the reason we have the lovely Gina on the show today is she is going to be talking about the death of her stepdad. And we just want to sort of start the episode with a very clear trigger warning that we will be talking about suicide. So if this is an episode or a subject that maybe you're not that comfortable with or you'd rather not listen to, that's fine. Um, And if anyone is having any struggles or anything like that, there are helplines available. You can go to Depression Helpline, Lifeline, or Need to Talk. So we just want to... We'll post the links when we finished. Yeah, we'll post... um, those numbers when we post the episode to our Instagram but yeah just a just a brief trigger warning that that you know this can be pretty intense and pretty difficult to hear about but I think it's one of the reasons we feel compelled to talk about it is Mm -hmm. that not not so many people do so Gina why don't you start off by maybe talking a little bit about your stepdad and you know Mm -hmm. sure um it's kind of a talk about a build up to an event I guess it's more of a sudden episode for us but um, my stepdad was my stepdad for 27 years and so considered as another parent for me Um, and he was a funny joker typical male Um, (laughs) (laughs) real kiwi bloke eh kiwi bloke yeah yeah um yeah the funny joker guy always having a laugh and um Worked for himself, a tradie, and I think I'm not sure, but if, if that's a that was a trigger for him, he was a very social guy, but always was on on his own a lot on the job, and yeah, just completely out of the blue one day we um, heard he had an accident, and that led up to us finding out that he committed suicide. Mm. So, how old were you when he got together with your mum? He, I was probably about seven, I think. Yeah, so. Mm. From like from what I can remember, you know, I have a few memories pre him being around, but yeah. So obviously it it was someone that you had basically grown up with and you you yeah, you had a super close relationship with him and Mm -hmm. everything like that. And did you know that he was depressed at all? No, no, that's when I say I guess the story leading up to the actual event is quite short because it was news to us all um that he was depressed or obviously suffering from major anxiety and depression. The reflection of the event is a lot um, larger than the build-up to it because in reflection, when you look back at his behaviours, you notice things, but mm-hmm. definitely not the signs free. they say, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you, you, if someone's not open and you're not thinking about depression or anxiety, you don't initially go there if it's not a typical sign that we're sort of told about. And, 
And he was well, always on the radar, was it? No, no, and there was no sort of textbook tail signs, I guess. I mean, he was always so jovial and, like, Mm. you know, we used to joke that he was sort of a bit of a grumpy old man, but Mm. there was always, like, such an underlying sense of humour about, you know. Life. Yeah, his grumpiness and and all that sort of stuff that, you know, even when you told us it was, like, we just absolutely could not believe it. Like, I think one of his um, best friends actually said, like, if I had a, like, he was not on my list. Yeah. As in, you no, know, oh, yeah. if you had a list of people that you thought he would, would commit suicide, he wasn't on there. No. Mm. And that's what a lot of people will say when they talk about people, often they are sort of the life of the party, um, sort of no red flags, so to speak, or no previous episodes of depression um, or any warning signs, but then. Mm. Like Robbie Williams. You know, oh, no, that? no, Robbie, was that? The right name, Robin Williams. Williams. Robin Williams. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not very good with those things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he had he had a terminal illness. They he had Parkinson's. Which I think, just came out it? recently. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And right. I think it was leading up to type of dementia. Yeah. Mm. But wow. anyway, um, yeah, he wasn't. It certainly wasn't like an expected thing, or that he tried it before, or anything like that, was it? No. No. So yes, it's like yeah, the more sort of sudden experience of losing someone. And obviously with the suicide um, aspect or side of it as well. Yeah, even when I found out that he'd, well, I initially found out that he'd had a fall. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. It didn't even go through my head that it, that's what it was. Like you thought he was doing jobs around the house and he, he'd had an mm-hmm. accident. Yeah, because we've got a really high deck at, our, um, at my mum's house and his house. And I just got a phone call from my cousin, a really weird link who'd come through to me to get the phone call. Um. I can remember the day very clearly because me and my husband were walking to pick up my eldest daughter with our three-month-old baby. And we don't usually walk together Mm. to do that. It was like kind of like, oh, yeah, you can come with me. And an ambulance went zooming past and it was like, oh, gosh, they're in a hurry. Yeah. No (gasps) idea that that was the ambulance rushing to David. And I got a phone call from a a cousin who, um, you know, wouldn't usually call me and picked it up and through the grapevine that's the contact they got and mum wasn't answering her phone and got to me and it was just like yeah oh David's fallen from the deck and I was like oh shit that's you know what seven how many meters do you reckon that it's like eight I don't oh, know I don't know hi I don't know yeah. I don't know I'm I have no spatial awareness I couldn't I know neither <laughs> I couldn't tell you how far away the fridge is from me right now like yeah but if you knew, but, yeah. if you knew you'd hit a fall from there you know it'd, it'd be pretty severe injuries I mean it's a yeah yeah that's how so, that, so I yeah. was I was shocked like worried because of the fall yeah but I thought he was like mm. guttering the gutters or something like pulling out the weeds or something from the gutters because yeah he was obviously like a tradesman plumber doing something around the house and yeah and so you ran you got there and then and what was happening like so so did you get there quickly did I oh no I didn't go home I I was no one could get a hold of my mum and I was about a k and a half from her work so I left Brad. Sorry, sorry, just to go back. So you were walking home. I was walking to pick up my eldest daughter from daycare. Right. And you saw the ambulance go past. And then at what point did you get a phone call? Probably about five minutes after. But I still didn't associate the ambulance with David at that point. Yeah. Because I guess you don't. You don't. Dots together. Yeah. But um, they couldn't, no one could get a hold of my mum. And so we were getting close to Takapuna where she works. And so I just said to Brad, take the pram. I'm going to run to mum's work. It was about like a K and a half. And I just jogged. Yeah. 
three months postpartum probably wasn't the best idea. Yeah, but. God. God. <laughs> I mean, you've always been very fit, so I'm surprised that you could do that. I mean, no, I'm not surprised you could do that because uh, Jesus, and I, I guess couldn't. At the time under- we were adrenaline about wearing your pants. Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah. yeah, totally. at that time you you thought he'd fallen and they had said it was serious or you, you had no idea. I just knew if he'd fallen from the deck, it was serious. Cause that's yeah. a big fall, but yeah. I had no more details other than. Yeah. I think she might've said it's quite serious. I can't, I can't remember the exact details, but I just, I ran to mum's work and she wasn't there. And then I think I might've called um, my auntie, his sister-in-law, I think. Yeah. Just to say, Hey, look, David's had a fall. I don't know how bad it is yet. Don't, please don't like call his mum yet just I don't want to upset her mm-hmm. I'll let you know and then yeah me and mum once I finally, mum finally got back we went to North Shore Hospital to see if we could like meet the ambulance there mm-hmm. and so you got to the hospital and, and that, sorry the, your mum was there did you say yeah like she she had gone to pick up something for work and so yeah. I waited for her she got back we jumped in the car and then we got to the hospital and I went in and I was asking about either his name or an ambulance coming in and I like also being a nurse like Lizzie knew if he wasn't there and he'd gone to Auckland that it was probably even more serious Mm -hmm. because more trauma or vascular will go straight to Auckland hospital and I I always feel sorry for the poor policeman who who was there I think he might have been waiting for us in case we did turn up there at the house no at the, at the hospital right um because we could, obviously couldn't find him and we were like walking in and out quite sort of flustered. And I th- either we asked him or he asked us if we were looking for someone and he said, oh, do you know what's happened? And um, I think at some point during the conversation, mum might've thought and mentioned, oh, maybe he, he jumped or something, but I can't quite remember mm-hmm. the conversation. Jesus. And the poor policeman had to like tell us, oh, he, um, you know, tried to hang himself or with a <gasps> electric wire. Oh, or electric oh wire. my God. I, and I, you know, I know I feel, I feel, so, you know, in these circumstances you, you do, I felt, I feel sorry for him and Did still do. Did your stomach just fucking drop? Were you just like, Oh yeah. Oh. I just, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I just, I didn't. You're like, you, you're mistaken. I was in, yeah, I was in shock. Um, And I, I remember asking, oh, can you drive us then? Like, so was he waiting at North Shore for you? I think so. Even though you're, and, and David had been taken to Auckland, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. So I think he might have been waiting there. And I was like, well, mum can't drive. He must have, because with a destination from Devonport, I, I mean, yeah, logistically, you would have gone to North Shore. Mm. But I was like, well, mum can't drive. I shouldn't, like, can you drive us? Like, yeah. There. And he was like, I can't. And I can remember being really frustrated. Like, yeah. well, we can't, you know, we shouldn't, but anyway, we did, we drove ourselves. Yeah. Um to Auckland and I think it's definitely was a lesson for me in terms of as a nurse because I remember walking into the emergency and the risk the, like the welcome from the receptionists I mean they're busy and it's a hard place to work but you don't you know I pushed through the line and just walked straight up to the front and mm-hmm. you could tell they might have been a bit annoyed but it's like you mm-hmm. don't know someone's circumstance yeah yeah <laughs> So yeah, it yeah. definitely did a lot of learning through it all. And then we had to. So was he in the emergency department in Auckland? Yeah, he yeah. was there. So we, but then we got put like shoved into this side room that was like like a final room. So sorry, obviously just to backtrack a little bit. So he had tried to kill himself at his house, but he hadn't succeeded fully. Right? He was yeah. So so he'd he'd like slipped 
out. So he'd had we had severe brain damage. Right. Um, and had been on the ground for I don't know how long, like probably like 15 to 20 minutes before a neighbor actually heard some Fuck. some noise and then saw him on the ground and called the ambulance. Mm-hmm. So by the time they got there, he was quite unresponsive, but still alive. And then they, yeah. so they obviously like intervened on intubated him or whatever they did. I don't yeah, know right. the exact details to then bring him. Because I'm sure it's neck injuries. So yeah. Yeah. And then we yeah, we got put into this little side room. And we weren't we weren't allowed to see him or anything at this stage, but no one told us anything really. Right. Like we're just kind of like put there. And at this stage, at, um, at this stage, you, you're still thinking like maybe he jumped or. Um, no, me and Mum at this stage, we we, you knew more details. By yeah, point. like we yeah. knew that that he attempted to take his life at that point. Yeah, but we hadn't shared it with any of the family, mm-hmm. and so. We didn't want to do that on the phone. So, we were, yeah, and we enough. didn't want to do it like one by one as mm-hmm. they arrived either. So, we were kind of all waiting for them all to get there, such as um, his brother and um, her, his wife and his sister and her husband and a niece and a nephew were, were coming as well. And the, the, I think it might have been the charge nurse at Auckland ED, I kept popping my head out of this room and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, well, no, mm-hmm. like, no one's come to talk to us. <laughs> yeah. We're standing here waiting, not yeah. knowing what's going on. Um, and he was quite like different in his manner in his um, approach as well. And quite, what would you, would you call it? I don't know what you'd call it. That's his body up. language would have said at all. Yeah, oh, okay. oh, yeah. Like he, it's almost like he enjoyed telling, not, not in a <gasps> kind of sense, but he wanted to be the one to talk about it. Um, so yeah, we, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, pe- people that sort of love and control. Lo- a little yeah, bit. He, like loved the authority of yeah, the situation yeah, yeah, that he was yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he was still lovely, but just I wasn't my favorite person in the world. Yeah, but um, almost relishing in the drama, sort of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it, I mean, you know, it is not every day that I'm sure that that waltzes in, but I'm no. it, unfortunately probably more often than we all know about. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, why we're trying to talk about this again. Well, I think it is, and that's possibly why he was that way. This is the sad reality mm-hmm. of it. Totally. Well, that's like anyway. through, you know, been part of the, you know, talking about it like this is part of that all as well. Um, you, people, you feel like I feel like I shouldn't talk about it, but it's. I, I know. I know, I know exactly yeah. what you mean because I feel like like if someone's sick and they die, and you know, it's it's almost like you're allowed to talk about it more. Like it's such a taboo subject, mm. you know, dying from mental illness, you know, like it's, mm. I don't know. It, I, yeah, I don't know. Sort of. Oh, it's just like, even as, you know. The... Well, it's less natural in a way, I suppose, because they, it's not, but that's what it maybe come across. Like one minute they're a normal looking healthy person and the next minute they're not. Whereas someone who's sort of dying of cancer or something else, they sort of grow through the motions of starting to look physically sick and and I'm well and it's sort of this is a normal thing that happens whereas it's still yeah, got I the element it, of I guess it's also different if it was like someone who um like your friend's dad Lee like if they have, have been living with depression and other sort of addictions yes. or illness and they've tried multiple times or something's happened you've seen the the, the digression in their livelihood their it's lifestyle and right? it's yeah you know you you're like well at least you're finally free or it's more of a natural sense towards it but I guess when it's so out of the blue but again still it's it's just well, the fact that suicide mental health and 
all those different mental well, illnesses. Well, in a way, maybe talked about. talking about it sounds like a disservice to them, like mm. like as if you're talking badly about them or that it's something, you know, bad. But it's I not. Mean, it's a reality, you know. It, it's like mm. your most basic human instinct is to is self-preservation, you mm. know. It, it goes against sort of all of your natural grain, instincts. Yeah, yeah to... to harm yourself and you know like well that's the thing that's yeah yeah, but but like you know when David did you know put put something around his neck his natural instinct was once it was happening to to try and wiggle free right Mm, yeah and that's what happened yeah well you would I mean even if like at that point you make a decision and you do want to end you know you have to really want to end your life to get to that point um yeah, your body's natural instinct in any form of, like, if you tried to drown yourself or anything like that, mm-hmm. you're going to naturally, yeah. you're not just going to lay there peacefully. It's a flight, your flight, body deprives flight itself of yeah. oxygen. It's going to start to fight and yeah. move and shake and whatever. So. And, and he obviously wasn't, he wasn't mucking about. Like, he was very. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. Like, it would have been, he would have had. Like, the fall alone, you know. Yeah, was, yeah, and, like, the, the positioning was very hidden from like it was like a corner of the deck where like no one would see and mm-hmm. um you know it worked it out was head and oh and he wouldn't have just worked it out that day it would have been gone you know he would have gone through that mm. motion many a times you know this was just the deed supposedly I think someone read a stat somewhere I, I, and I, I don't know if this is true but um that the actual time between thinking and, and doing the act can be any like can be like seconds because it's that's why people, like example, all those lifelines that we'll talk about, if you mm-hmm. find yourself having, they call it like suicidal ideations or thoughts of suicide, even though you think I wouldn't actually do it, mm-hmm. that 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 switch between the thoughts and the process of what you would do and doing it can be a matter of seconds mm-hmm. that your brain decides to do it. So that's why if you are in a hard place where you are thinking about those things, that's when you sh- that's when you need to, realize and reach out for help because mm-hmm. you, you yeah you know sometimes hindsight's a great thing but once you've done an act hindsight's gone isn't it yeah you know well I mean it's and irreversible it, right a lot yeah. of the time and he's and you know David for example was someone who never asked had never would have said I've you know suffering from anxiety I'm things are on top of me or he you know, probably I'm, wouldn't even say like I'm feeling a bit down today like right no no I just thought he was just happy chilling out and watching telly and relaxing but but actually you think now those were maybe signs of mm. of depression that he was sort of like stuck yeah. in a bit of a rut almost yeah definitely but it's but it was it was not you know it was I guess it was a slow digression in behavior and also it was his normal behavioral enjoyments but to you know to such an extent I guess would degree that I mean he wasn't an, he wasn't an alcoholic or anything no. like that either he wasn't exactly he wasn't a drunk or you know anything like that but um yeah, I mean, my, all my memories of him are amazing. Just mm. that last act that was just. I last think oh. of him always at your wedding, and it he was, was just so like the best day of his life. Well. And mm. he said, he said that to me, Lizzie. This is one of the best days of my life, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so not like, you know, because it, it's nice that your all your step parents and mum and dad had that have that sort of closeness and and understanding mm. of each other and get on well. So mm-hmm. it was so nice to hear that. And then, I don't know, and then the sort of, I mean, I'm sure I did definitely saw him after that, but then that's 
to go from that to that, I just you can't really fathom it sometimes. Mm. Hey. He was so like in love with Marley, his yeah, but, yeah. daughter. Like that was just because he hadn't had kids of his own from a baby. So I think she was, you know, like so special to him. Yeah, he just, like absolutely yeah. adored her. So that was there were so many good things happening in his life and and things mm-hmm. to look forward to. Mm-hmm. But when you're that unwell, it's not. No. Yeah. So I mean, do you think there were any? particular triggers for him or like what do you think like, is it sort of like a lot of it was work he wasn't happy because he was a plumber he wasn't happy in his job and yeah like for a long time I think perhaps it was just to do with work and you know the physical labors of working on your own and stuff like that you know um mm. I don't know very solitary job like yeah yeah, yeah. and I don't know too much about the the details of sort of that side of his life um but I think that that would have been a major trigger for him mm-hmm. was just like I'm just, miserable just, at work and yeah. I don't know how to like you know too late to retrain doing something else and yeah not much purpose yeah in that sense and you know but he always because so, it maybe and that's an exact he always wanted to sort of help or you know do like with the kids especially for me like can, oh you know let me know I can come pick her up I can come do this I can come mm-hmm. do that like he, we can have the kids for the weekend um and mum's like oh can we you know like mm-hmm. he used to always offer and yeah um because bless him mum would always end up doing most of the work if yeah she had the kids for the weekend or Marley for the weekend <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um but yeah he'd always always just be trying to offer help and I guess that was maybe him trying to like find purpose in his day or mm-hmm. like you know find something to do and so obviously this event was so unexpected for like you and your mom and everything like that. Mm. Like all of a sudden, once, once he was in hospital, right. And you know, he was still alive, but you knew they, they, what the doctors told you that it was unlikely that he would survive or what, what sort of happened once he was in the hospital. Um, once we eventually like got to see him, he'd been moved up to ICU mm-hmm. and like we'd broken, we'd told it's mum and brother and sister and um, sister and brother-in-laws and niece and nephews and stuff like that. We'd gone up to the ICU and went and saw him there. And that, that was really hard because you just sort of saying all these things to him. That and he's all, he's all hooked up and everything. Um, was he on a ventilator? Yeah, I think, oh gosh, I think he might've been breathing spontaneously. Really? No. But with a, I think he was with a trackie. Oh, yeah, he had a trackie, that's right. I remember. But I, but I think he, he wasn't ventilated with that. Oh, okay. Um, but he yeah. had such a crush injury to his... To his um, Esophagus. Yeah. His, his trachea, major arteries. His trachea as well. Like, so it was like that's what the breathing tube in his, in his throat was to help him breathe, to provide a new tube because that one was crushed. But the depth, like all of his reflexes, all of his um, signs of neurological function, so any movement, like, you know, when you, if someone pinches you and you move or twitch or you move your hands towards the pain or you open your eyes to pain, all those kinds of things. So the glasmic coma scale to a lot of people that might know, yeah. Mm, there was like nothing there, like he mm-hmm. wasn't moving. So I was like going around the bed because I was a neuro nurse previously as well. So it was quite familiar to me. I was like, trying to find his trigger points and like giving them a good push just to make sure that there was, was no reaction there. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think, so, so they, they, they told us that it didn't look that good at this stage, but you know, people can be in comas and or whatever, mm-hmm. have 
brain damage and recover. So there were still some tests and CTs and things to do. So I think there was about three days of sort of living in and out of the hospital and kind of in limbo. Yeah. I had a three month old baby at the time and yeah. thank God she was like just the most smiliest little baby. Mm. <laughs> I can remember actually the moment that we got told we were in a, one of the fun rooms again, sort of waiting and the, one of the head ICU doctors came to tell us the result of the scan and that the, you know, the news was unfortunately that there's just, you know, if, if he, his state of life is as it is now, like mm-hmm. laying there pretty much, there's no recovery. We don't mm-hmm. see any recovery from this. You know, there's the saddest that news. We were all, you know, really upset. And Frankie, my daughter just sat up in her, she was unusually strong. Like, kind of like pulled herself up in the bassinet and looked at everyone and just beamed this big smile. Oh, so we all oh, just started that. We all had to laugh. This oh. way. Yeah, so she definitely got us through a few of the hard moments. It was nice having a little baby around. But, mm-hmm. but then, of course, David didn't get to know her, which is so annoying because she was yeah. bloody cheeky like he was. And he absolutely would have loved her. Yeah, especially because she was. He was so would have. Mm. And so because he was sort of breathing on his own, you guys didn't have to like, choose to turn off life support or how did that um no we didn't turn off the life support but they did take out the breathing the trachea which was keeping his airway open right um and because he was obviously alive and his organs were alive we um went through I think it might have been um his sister I don't remember who mentioned it but we thought it like what about him being a donor because mm-hmm. obviously his organs were still um Viable. Yeah, viable. So we had blood flow and stuff like that. So yeah, we were all, all of us, we all as a family agreed that if God, if someone can benefit mm-hmm. from this tragedy. Yeah, then then of course we'd do it. So in order for organs to be viable, there's a time a time limit sort of from deprivation of oxygen that starts to if they're viable. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reason I sort of delve into that is because it kind of gave us a sense of purpose you have like 30 minutes for yeah. I think the liver and a few other organs but to be hold, viable. Hold on here. If they wanted all the organs, like the liver and the um, kidneys and stuff, they could have taken him in with his tube in and, and got and op- taken them out that way. Yeah, we never got offered but, that opportunity that they never sort of oh, mentioned that to us. Okay. I don't I think that's for the heart. That's for a heart transplant. And the yeah. livers and the lungs. No, the liver and maybe the lungs, but the liver was still, I think there's like a 15 minute and a 30 minute, maybe the liver and kidneys are different to the heart and lungs. Anyway, we didn't get offered sort of like for that live. Oh, yeah. Transplant. Okay. Uh, yeah. August, live organ harvesting. Yeah. 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 Sorry for my awkward laughs. That's like how I deal with it. Uh, hey, we laugh, we laugh all through <laughs> this podcast. And that's kind of, you know, one of the things that we're big on is that, Sometimes you do have to awkward laugh and yeah. you know, or cry, or, yeah, or cry, or whatever, <laughs> or, or make a joke if if sometimes things feel a bit heavy. And mm. like I think when it comes to talking about death, this is probably the heaviest subject that we will cover. You mm. know, it's up there at least. You know, mm. um, but yeah, when they took out the 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 breathing tube, it mm-hmm. was sort of, and then obviously. Um, that can be quite distressing for for him and mm-hmm. we and for us we were all with him I think we were actually having a glass of wine at the time as well mm-hmm. um they 
gave him morphine and pain relief and, and sedatives and things to help him be at peace while yeah. going through that process. And so, but, but with the sort of time limit to perhaps essentially donate an organ of some use for someone, we were all kind of watching the clock, mm-hmm. like wondering, you know, yeah. is this all going to be like, so come on, David, almost, like, yeah, you know, like, you know, just, just relax, like yeah. just, just be at peace and all those kind of things. Cause if we're, you know, we'd all just learned, obviously he was struggling. So there's that sense of be at peace with yourself oh, yeah. Yeah. Go and relax. Yeah, absolutely. And so the doctor who we had with us was really, really good and made sure that David was very, very comfortable during the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think no matter how long it takes, you can always donate the retina, your eyes. So that's oh, really, yeah. 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 So there's somebody out there with um, eyes, David's eyes, I think. But so but amazing, did the other eh? organs not make it? Or? Um, I think that it was in time for one of the others, but maybe... <laughs> Maybe it might have been his liver. Maybe yeah. it wasn't quite up to scratch. Um, I think it was or, a kidney. Yeah, I think, I think he might have got one kidney went somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. One was not, one was okay. But, you know, it's a whole, whole ordeal because they have to call that donor to yeah, come in. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. they've got to come in at the drop mm. of the hat, basically being like. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure either one kidney and and I know his retina or something was. So, yeah, it, it was a definitely a it was nice to have a purpose at the end of his life sort of mm-hmm. thing with that to go forward. Do you reckon that, that helped come like with the grieving process a wee bit or not? Or no, it just ha- I think it just helped with that sp- specific situation in the moment in time yeah. of waiting for You've him got to something pass. Else to focus we were like, on, yeah. you know, there's no point lingering on now. Mm-hmm. We made the decision to potentially. But know. I mean, God, I know this is going to sound probably terrible and, come across the wrong way but in a situation like that where where it's known that that person is not going to live it it does seem strange that they don't take the organs while they can like I mean yeah I know and I guess that's I mean that's our that's I agree with you and that's our point of view and some people might you know either religious reasons or whatever might totally disagree with us but I'm I'm on I'm on your side with that one too and if that's me just putting it out there um you can definitely take mine same, same with me like <laughs> well, for, I, for whatever I'm totally reason, an organ donor take yeah. take it if for i can't reason, use it yeah i'm the same too and but for whatever reason they didn't offer that that situation may may not have been appropriate might have for, been his age David. or his yeah. history or yeah. yeah like he might have had something yeah. where he might have had like maybe like high blood pressure or something that was just meant that his heart would be you know not suitable yeah right because most of the time when when I was working within that area and we we did look after organ transplants the the the, the person who was giving the organs would go into the theater they would remove mm. them and then they would come out so oh, they I mean, did they did take that, well, as soon as he, David passed away um, they did take that like we that we couldn't hang around with the body mm-hmm. no no yeah yeah like they they'd yeah. said you know we'll take him pretty quick so yeah that was that we and yeah. they, they debriefed us on all that like we knew all that so. yeah well obviously someone has to they're a wonderful it, right? team yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so the organ um donor team and transplant team are just wonderful wonderful people they especially were within organ hospital yeah mm-hmm. and and you know there's there's people out there that are terribly terribly sick that are you know that and it's it's one of those tricky situations because if if you have heart failure and you're desperate for a heart transplant you, like your only choice mm. is, is is if someone has an accident or, or mm, something mm, like this a healthy person needs to, to to be in a viable situation for you to take their heart and too. that's that's actually 
rare like you know a lot of mm. people when they do die in a car accident or something like that even they if might they stop breathing too yeah. yeah and even if they put donor on their driver's license or whatever i think what your next of kin still mm-hmm. has to approve it yeah. re- regardless of that it's just yeah. putting donor on your driver's license is just giving whoever is an your next of kin an want. indication of what your preference would be mm. yeah and it's tricky and I think it's important a lot of, to have this conversation too with, yeah. the, with your loved ones because you and, never know. And I think it's it's sort of tricky for people as well. Like when you hear a news that someone that you love has just had a major accident or, or 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 you know committed suicide or something like that, and you've got to make a decision on the spot whether or not you know you want someone to take their organs. It can feel like, oh my gosh, of course not. You know, I I but. It's because you don't want well, that yes. person to have died. Like mm. I was sort of in that position. Sorry to digress, but mum just told someone, she was probably, I don't know, on her steroids, that I think, so, I don't know where it came up, but someone asked if she'd donate one of her limbs or something to the um, for the uni students to, to play with in the cadaver room. And I said, there's absolutely no fucking way Yeah, like having mum's arm in the cadaver room. Looking back. I mean, I probably would say yes. I didn't actually come up again, but yeah. I remember having a conversation with mum saying, I'm giving my limbs away. Because <laughs> yeah, I'd be now. happy for my but, limb yeah. to be in the cadaver room. I mean, did yeah. you guys have I to think work on the- cadavers as nurses? No, no, nurses don't. Physios no. and doctors do. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I remember when I was a teenager, I worked at a bar and one of the other um, bartenders was also in med school. And I remember him sort of telling me about it. And it's like, mm. he's like, you know, it's funny, like what gets you, about it like their cadaver because they use the same one mm. the whole kind of like yeah, they, what, like a whole term a long time yeah and yeah. he was like you know their, their person was like an older guy but he's like you know he had tattoos and that like really personalizes them mm. and it goes from just being you know like a, a medical body tool and yeah see their personality or yeah stuff like that yeah um they're so well treated i mm. know oh, that the yeah. cadavers yeah so obviously because they're embalmed yeah <laughs> Don't get me fucking started on embalming. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> and I understand why, but you know, but yeah, okay, true. But I mean, that's a your mum wasn't. Oh, my mum was a cadaver. Well, I mean, she was. She had no meat left. She there was no meat left on her poor old bones. Bless. Um, but so oh. obviously because David's death was so sudden and mm-hmm. so unexpected, all of a sudden he's died, and it's like now you've got to organize the funeral. Like who mm. was in charge of that? Do you remember? Well, obviously different. For me, I mean, I had my mum. She did most of it. Yeah. She would have done all of it, really. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, I did a speech and some photos. That was about it. I mean, he's got his brother. and That was the biggest funeral I've ever been to. Like, there Mm. was hundreds of people there. Oh, yeah. The church was, it was like spilling out onto the road. Yeah. Mm. I had to leave the room because my fucking newborn baby wouldn't stop crying. (laughs) I was trying to like, I wore the most inappropriate top and I was trying to shove my child's head like up my top to like get her on my boob. And I wasn't wearing a breastfeeding top and she was screaming. <laughs> I and think I did, had to do the same with Frankie. Actually, I think oh. I'd want, I had to like lift my boob out of the dress. Oh, yeah. I just remember being like, fuck, this isn't happening. Like just uh, no, practicality was, over yeah, fashion. Yeah, eh? yeah like, I know. <laughs> I was like, you've got to look smart. Like, you know, you never know who you're going to see. Fainted. Oh, that's right. You, you had to that? look after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And call the ambulance. What? Someone fainted. Some old lady. Yeah, I don't remember that. God, some little, oh, yeah. her heart rate was about thirty-two. I honestly thought there was going to be CPR at the back of David's funeral. Mm. Typical, but anyway, it didn't happen. But you poor things, leaky boobs at the funeral. Oh yeah, yeah. it was. Disaster. I can remember sitting at the funeral too, and actually, again, feeling really sorry for 
all the other people there because we we we'd had time to grieve like mm-hmm. i mean obviously not completely not all the stages of grieving but we'd been told what had happened we'd been at the hospital for three days sort of talking about what was going to happen and then mm-hmm. we were there when he passed away and we all you know had all our mm-hmm. big cries and tears and we'd told lots of stories and during those three days and at the funeral I was quite sort of numb you know like mm-hmm. you've done a lot of your crying yeah and, yeah and I think there's a few, a few little triggers that got me but because the church was so full there was people that had to sit like behind the celebrant yeah right on those pews you know where like yeah. the choir would sit oh, or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I and I can remember it being, I think it was some of mum's old work friends. And I felt so sorry for them because I remember going, I've been to a um, friend's dad committing suicide for a funeral as well. And it was just, it's one of the saddest funerals I've been to because it's, you know, that moment in time where you're there to support a loved one, you don't, might not know them as well. or But the story is so sad. Mm-hmm. And so these poor people were just, you know, in tears, bawling their eyes out with the, with, 500 people or so whatever to see them Step, behind yeah, them watching them like, yeah. I'm so sorry oh yeah yeah but no yeah privacy. It was, no no not for them anyway but yeah it's different I definitely felt more numb at the funeral than and days. and I I think you do sometimes like sometimes I even wonder like for me I'm like I still kind of wonder the purpose of funerals like I don't think I feel any better for having <laughs> fucking paid 12 grand 12 or fucking 10 grand or whatever you know like you know like it's well I guess it's for all those like 600 people that turned up well for yours I mean I don't even think 100 people turned up to my mom's like and I was yeah, sort but, of surprised but mm. but I, I think it's yeah, but what, you, if you think about the process of writing the eulogy and what you went through you learned a lot about it it is a process I guess so Pardon? Oh, yeah. Huh? I mean, I'd met him before. I mean, mm-hmm. but she's talking about finding mum's first husband, but I'd met him before. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. We found out how they knew. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the, the this podcast is more therapeutic to me than either of my parents' funerals. And I just think, mm. I don't know, like, fuck, when it comes, if I have an accident and die suddenly or I get suddenly ill, I'll be, I'll be putting real clear instructions into my will for like, and it'll just be like, just, just, dump my body off a cliff somewhere and then go and have a party. Oh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't give a we'll shit. We'll cremate you and we'll just throw you off a cliff. Yeah. And your ashes. Yeah. Just chuck me out at sea. I'll be fish so fodder. I, I and think it'll part be of fun. it is for, like, you know, all the other people. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But, I mean, who, who are those is, other people? Because, like, I, I, you know, I'm talking about all the nosy people that come out of the woodworks. A hundred percent. And I think, I think <laughs> that's it because it's like, Fuck, when it was my mum's funeral, there's all these people that were my mum's friends that I didn't know that I was just like, everyone's like, oh, now do you remember me? I knew you when you were this age and blah, blah. And I'm just like, like, now's not the fucking time. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, like, you know, you, you, your parents party or, um, you know, their anniversary is one thing, but their funerals. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting off topic. I think, I think with funerals, for, for, suicide, for suicide funerals, there is not one thing nice about them. It's just f- fucking awful. Whereas, mm. not comparing, but people who have had cancer or terminal illnesses that are dying or just old people, it is partly a celebration and remembrance. Yeah. But yeah. Whereas well, I think it's also shot, like sudden great. death at a young, at a, and, you know. It's tragic. A, a, like a young, a, I would say or, David was young. young yeah, age. yeah, but I'm saying like, yes, suicide, but also just sudden death. Yeah. You don't, you know, it is definitely people's, maybe perhaps, 
opportunity to to grieve or to say something yeah. to them or to yeah. think about them to yeah. hear their stories because when someone's slowly passing away you have time as family and friends yeah. to talk about them. that's true that's so true. it's kind of a bit more of a yeah oh the only other thing I think I was thinking about to do with suicide is um my view on suicide pre and post going having oh yeah good yeah a family or someone a family member yeah have, suicide yeah. um because I think beforehand I sort of saw it as when I was younger, I thought it was selfish. That's when I was just sort of like 20 and had no idea about mm-hmm. much about mental illness and things like that. But um, yeah, I definitely didn't understand it. I, I still, I thought I'd be super angry at someone who did that or mm-hmm. um, yeah, hold resentment. And I, like, you know, when it's with David, there's none of that. There's no, yeah. there's no anger, resentment, any sense of, there's definitely a sense of like, oh my gosh, wish wish I could have helped you, or yeah. wish I'd noticed something. But I'm, you know, it's just sadness. And but then also um, relief for him if that's if he was that yeah unwell mentally, then mm. I just hope he's at peace. You know, mm-hmm. so just that difference in view is just was just quite interesting for me because it was quite different. And I and I do think people are more like even you know at a funeral of someone who's committed committed suicide they do still like talk they talk about it a bit more you know like it's not as sort of swept under the rug but I still don't think there's enough transparency about it like I don't know people and and it's I don't know I don't know the reasoning behind it and I'm sure someone could tell me but when there's things in the media in the news or something when someone with with some kind of like media presence Mm -mm -mm. or following I mean, you mean like with, you mean like me? Well, no, you're still alive. I'm saying. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean like all my media followers. Yeah, because you're yeah. so famous. But oh yeah, <laughs> you know, th- there was an article like in the last couple of days about someone who is sort of has been on TV in New Zealand who has who mm, who mm, died mm, suddenly, mm. and it just seems I don't understand why they don't come out and really say what's happened. Why is there this taboo about saying? someone mm. has killed themselves is it because they they think there is copycats copy like i mean i uh, think so that's a huge part of it maybe, but is that, like is, that and- is that legitimately like are there people out there that think oh my gosh you know this this person mm. has done it i'm gonna go do it if too. they can like, do it i'll do it i think yeah, there's no, a big part of it that's why they have to put like if they have any sort of so i remember in shortland street they had an incident and there was a huge amount of disclaimers um, before and after and stuff. disclaimers but yeah, yeah. For, so I think but couldn't yeah, they just do this but, but I mean they do just they do that that's the way you know if someone I don't know about the rest of the world but in New Zealand if someone who has who who is well known enough to make it into the newspaper on account of the fact that they've died and if they if it is from self-harm they will not say that it's yeah, suspected suicide no. but they will say like it's not suspicious and Mm. then at the bottom there's all those links to those helplines which is you know the depression helpline and the let's talk and and the suicide helpline it's like well we can put two and two together just just say that's what happened Mm. yeah just don't don't make it if people don't talk about it I don't know how will people I don't know I know know that I know what you mean but I do think we want me to talk about it yeah mm, totally the catch 22 yeah it is and you know it, it, it is unfortunate like that 
that people are, are, are hurting that much. Mm. That, that, or not, and to not be able to say anything or to, yeah. you know, reach out and talk to someone. And the scary thing is, it has been talked about a lot more in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more sort of awareness out there and, and different, um, you know, phone lines and links. But the suicide rates haven't gotten any lower. New Zealand mm. is shocking, shocking thing. for suicide yeah. rates. We've In the developed world, we have one of the highest suicide rates, I'm pretty mm. sure. And I will check that. But I believe that's right. No, it is right. And no, but there is definitely that. She'll be right. Yeah, yeah, She'll yeah. Be that right. attitude and yeah. to not be right is like, oh, tell me not like, yeah i know exactly. totally exactly he I was the it's... epitome of a kiwi bloke you know mm. i think it's hard for people around why why i should have done this i should have done mm-hmm. that i should have noticed da, 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 da. but you you can't when they're that sort of closed off or they're that yeah um, and they're, it, they're yeah. that she'll be right and, <laughs> and, you, can't and you know what i think he maybe hit it really really well and some oh, people shit, yeah. do fucking hide it like mm. there's there's people out there that obviously uh, open about their struggles and mm-hmm, have maybe mm-hmm. made attempts that weren't successful that people would maybe say was a cry for help he had mm. nothing like that he no. just no one day out of the blue that was it but to him it had probably been going on for right yeah a long time yeah a long time and, yeah, yeah. Like multiple thoughts and all those things and I think that's yeah, yeah it just like I said, the reflection of the actual event is a lot mm-hmm. longer than the lead up to it. And that's when you just, I always, I don't feel like I could have done anything mm-hmm. to, to stop what happened. No. And I don't think anyone else should, because mm-hmm. you can't, no one else that was just hidden. And that was his choice to deal with it that way. And so I guess what we need to fix is helping, especially like men to, especially middle-aged men to, mm-hmm. to, not feel like they have to their choice is not to hide it their yeah. choice is to ask for help but yeah. how you do that I don't know mm. I'm not a middle-aged man no no <laughs> but they they did get that handsome ex all black middle-aged man to go on oh he's done on. wonders yeah yeah mm. and even Mike King right the comedian he's yeah. he's a big yeah. partner of like yeah like getting he's done really well men to it, like talk about charity, their it's called stand up stand- oh yeah stand up for depression or something like that. i don't know i don't know oh gosh no that's that's Research. the stand up stand up depression.org is is the rugby guy you're talking about oh is it what's mike king's yeah. one so we're usually good with these things. i'm gonna google it right now so mike king um mike king is i am hope yeah that's his his charity for um raising health yeah raising awareness yeah yeah and then is there anything sort of that, you know, you guys like to do now to remember David and. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> what, I think there was an episode you guys were talking about ashes, Lizzie, when ashes. Oh, ashes blew that in your face. Well, you know, you know, like you can't just go and sprinkle ashes. No. Like you have to get like. No. You can't just so dump them anywhere. anywhere. So those people weren't supposed to just be sprinkling those ashes in your face. Which is why I haven't done it. That's the reason. I haven't got the appropriate oh, yeah. permissions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, uh, I think they're just fan, like birds for me are always a reminder of um, people who have passed, not just David, but specifically for David, I guess, fantails. But the, I think of a fantail to be lots of people as well, not just him. Mm. And I think they're really cool birds as well. But Because we went for a walk not yesterday the day before mm. and there was a fantail and it was no kidding like a ufo it was like hovering 
along next to us as we walked mm. along and we were like oh. i said hi kathy yeah you thought it was mum <laughs> might have been mum might have been david you never know i don't know birds are cool and if you could fly when you die that'd be pretty cool yeah um but yeah. i think the, the main reason i'm I'm a little bit of a firm believer in the two, uh, the fantail and birds. I said tui because I was just looking at those tuis on the wall. Yeah. Um, is because the first time me and my two girls arrived back at uh, my mum's, mum and David's house after he um, passed away, it was the whole house was locked up and it was just the three of us. And the first time, obviously, I've been back in the house. And I opened the door and we walked inside, and it had been raining and a, and a bit of a storm. And so all the windows were closed, all the blinds were closed. And there was, I walked into the lounge and there was a fantail just fluttering oh inside God. around oh. the lounge. And you have no idea how it got in? Oh, unless, like, mum had been at work that day. So unless it had, or not there all day, I can't remember she'd be back at work by then. But it, unless it had flown in as she, like, went out the door, because as yeah. I said, it had been raining and stormy, so she didn't have the ranch slider open or yeah. anything. And it quickly snuck in in between her leaving the house. I I, I don't know, which is very possible, of yeah. course. But um, yeah, it just flitted around. Maybe possible, probable, and not not so much. Yeah, like yeah. And, and the thing was that we'd always had birds before in our carport, mm-hmm. but I had never seen a bird because it was quite high up yeah. the house. I never in my whole time we I grew up there never had a bird in the house. Mm-hmm. Always in the carport. That's crazy. I love mm-hmm. that. And it mm. just flitted around. And I said to my daughter, who was two and a half, I was like, Molly, it's Iggy. And then he flitted around, like perched on a little blind, kind of like looked at us a few times. And then I just opened the ranch slider for it. Obviously, I was going to trap the bird. Mm-hmm. And it just no. did a couple of laps and then flew out. And so that's oh, kind of like what yeah. reinforced for me the old fantail birdie thing. And like, I think you guys have talked well, about it before. It's nice to have something. If you believe yeah. it and it's a nice reminder. And mm-hmm. I do love remembering and talking about them it's for me it's not something you shouldn't like they should always be remembered and talked yeah. about so yeah mm. yeah for sure that, that's beautiful mm. oh well I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your story with us because thanks Jean Jean you, you know it's not an easy one to talk about and you know I don't think it's talked about enough mm. yeah no, same, neither. Yeah, same and I hope you know there's no I guess any death situation you've got to be sensitive to others around you and other people's views and yeah. so of course you know there's things that that's we touch on lightly or touch on more deeply but that's, like every, there's always going to be something that's like triggering to someone but this this mm. is again you know like we said at the beginning it is more of a touch touchy subject but I don't think that means we shouldn't talk about it I think if anything it means we we should talk about this sort of stuff and mm. yeah I agree and I hope someone you know finds comfort in it and if if mm. anyone that is sort of struggling a little bit like know that you know no matter what you're feeling in that moment there are, there are people that will desperately miss you mm, and help yeah yes, there's a way and, out and, and be so willing to help there's a way mm. out okay well thank you so much no problem. we've loved having you yeah thanks for having me Alrighty. bye-bye feels like bye. i was there love you bye bye and that's us for today Thank you so much for listening to us waffle on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Death and all the rest. And if you have a question or you'd like to share your story, you can email us at daatrpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. This podcast was born out of a need to talk about our personal experiences with death. 
To be clear, we are not mental health professionals. We are simply sharing our stories. 